This is the iTest Podcast. Cobes, play the music. This is the iTest. You know we better than the rest. We keep it real. We never lying from the grid. I am too diamond talking. Let's jets and bets. It's the iTest. All righty. Welcome back to season one. Episode 21 of the iTest podcast, we have the UFC plus week seven. Mike, what's the name of this card? This is UFC 280. We have the UFC 280 plus week seven. As always, I'm your host, Brian Donovan, joined by two two dear friends of mine. We have Mike Lentini and Josh Begleiter. Mike, you want to kick this off with introducing yourself? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I've been a UFC fan ever since Conor McGregor kind of hopped onto the scene a few years ago. And um, yeah, I've had my ups and downs with it. And I think the sport's in a good spot. So I've been slowly uh, getting back into it. And I think this week's card is going to be an enjoyable one for fans and casual viewers. Love it. And Josh? It's good to be here. I love what you're doing with the pod. I love that how you got like football and baseball handled, but your brain and that's first for the other stuff. The golf pod with uh, Zig was great. Hopefully this can be just as good. Uh, UFC cards can be hit or miss. This one is a big hit, probably the biggest one, at least in the second half of 2022. So excited to get into it. Love it. Love it. Thanks. Thank you uh, both for joining. Pumped to have you on. Um, as always, you know, do all the follow, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Um, we're also, uh, kicking back a few drinks for this, this podcast. It's one of those episodes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mike, what, what IPAs you rocking with? I'm rocking with a local LA IPA, the People's Republic of South Central, the Av Hazy IPA. I'm a Love big it. IPA guy. Love it. Bag? I got the Bud Light Hard Soda IPA Citrus Soda flavor. Nice. <laughs> Love it. And I am drinking a, uh, Dirty Martini. With uh, it's actually really, really bad. It had it's like Kalamata olive juice, and uh, why is it uh, why is it like a brown color? Because it's Kalamata olive juice, <laughs> <laughs> like the you know like the purplish Greek olives, not like the green olives. And then uh, I also put what are those like little onion balls called? Uh, Sepulini oh. maybe or something like that. You know those. I put some of that juice in it, and it's really, really bad. But I'm going to fight my way through it. We'll, we'll get it down. We're also we've got a pretty uh, good diversity of where we're we're doing this from. Mike's in LA, Bag. You're in you're in Denver, and I'm in Hoboken. That's uh that's pretty good coverage of these great United States. One step closer becoming an international pod. Oh yeah, yeah. I need an international correspondent. I don't even know where to start with that, but I feel like it'll pop up eventually. Yeah, Jaeger to talk about the Norwegian police force happenings at some point after sports end. What what sports do you think he's into right now? I don't know. Mike would, would know better than me. Maybe hockey. Hockey. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he I don't think he's paying attention at all. I think yeah. he's uh, stopping uh, shoplifters at the uh, mall in Oslo. <laughs> <laughs> probably probably accurate, but that's uh, he's doing his civic duty. You gotta love it. Um, cool. So I'm, I'm pretty much, we're, we're, we're going to do this for an hour. We started at 720. I want to wrap this up at 820. Today's Thursday, October 20th, by the way. So it's just before Thursday night football between the Cardinals and the Saints. Um, let's do 
25 to 30 minutes of UFC stuff first, and then we'll, we'll move over to week seven of the NFL slate. Um, I, I am not into UFC really by any means. Um, I, I, I've tried to before. I've even tried gambling on it before, and I find it pretty, pretty tough to watch. And I, I think I like team sports better than I like individual sports in general. So, uh, there's a, there's a lot working against it when it comes to UFC, but these two guys are as well versed when it comes to the octagon as anyone I know. So I'll, I'll kind of tee up some questions, let you guys take over. Mike, I'll start with you. Give me like the the foundation of of this card. Um, where is it? Who are the big names? Big storylines? Why are you excited about it? Yeah, so this card is in Dubai, which is good for people who like to uh, go to bed early. It'll be taking place Saturday during the day. Um, there's a good amount of drama on the card between fighters, which is generally like a good place to start. Um, if you're a casual fan, you watch the press conferences before they get a little personal. There's a little bit of a like a street fight edge to the uh, to some of these fights. Um, there's also two pretty big title fights on the line of Charles Oliveira and Islam. Islam is a guy that's out of Khabib's camp, which I hmm. imagine most people have heard of Khabib. So the hype around him has been pretty huge for the last, I don't know, Josh, what would you say? Like 16, 18 months, his last like four or five fights in the UFC. He's absolutely smashed guys. And this is really like his chance to go up against someone who's, like a proven vet um, in the sport and Oliveira, who's now won, I think it's like 10 or 11 in a row and a, has just been kind of demolishing guys at the top of the, at the top of the division. And then there's also a um, bantamweight title fight between Sterling and Dillashaw, which they have a little bit of bad blood. I think everybody has a little bit of bad blood with Dillashaw. He, uh, whatever it was a year, a year and a half ago, got caught with PEDs and he's back allegedly clean. So they kind of went at it. And then uh, Josh's favorite sugar, Sean O'Malley is fighting uh, Peter Jan, which is going to be a really good fun one. That's, that's very, very uh, helpful background. I feel like I recognize a lot more names than I expected to. So I'm actually pretty excited about this Um, real quick. Why Dubai? Like do, is this the same like circuit? as like any other UFC card that you would come across or are there like, there's no different rules internationally or anything like that. That's just where it happens to be this weekend. Yeah. I think, I think Dubai became big during COVID Josh. Like, I don't know what the, what the deal is with why they started there, but it's been a relatively new um, development. I think they had the apex that was outside when COVID was bad in 2020 and they were running fights out of there. And I think just attendance has been killing it and they just keep kind of rocking with it. And, yeah. um, oh, sorry. Uh, in, in March of 2020, when COVID hit the, all the sports obviously shut down in May, 2020, the UFC opened what was called the Az Island, which is an Island off the coast of Dubai where they held fights every single weekend. The UFC's contract with ESPN is that their earnout is only hit if they hit a certain amount of events televised on ESPN per year. So like Dana freaking out that COVID was going to shut down, lose all their money. They had just signed this big deal, scrambling to find something. They were like the first guys to do it. The Abu Dhabians uh, were obviously the first to step in and like help them out. And then, you know, there, there's been a big presence of, um, of Middle Eastern fighters in the UFC could be probably the most famous one, but it seems like every time you see a guy with a Russian flag next to his name on the card, they're either a heavy favorite or end up pulling off a win. So 
big presence out there. A lot of good fighters come from that area. A lot of money to pay for tickets and a little bit more liberal of a you know view towards fighting generally. Yeah, I guess and when you have uh, that many people too, uh, you, you, <laughs> and it's like, I guess trending toward a third world country it's just there's this kind of madness and this is a madness sport so it, it makes sense that it would kind of go hand in hand with each other that's uh that's super and so like i guess what i'm i'm th- trying to get at and this might be a really stupid question is there is there like a regular season and like a championship is there are they all like fighting toward something at the end of a, a calendar year or anything like that um or is it just like constantly like every new card there's a new champion and that's it's like King of the Hill format. Yeah. So they're pretty much in a regular season and playoff simultaneously at all times. Hmm. Um, You're kind of in your own schedule. Generally when you're lower ranked, you fight lower ranked guys. The payout is worse. You're a little bit earlier in the night on specific cards. And then as you kind of build up wins um, and your skill set, you get matched up against higher guys and you're sort of building your own schedule. And that at the end of, your season, you are fighting for a title. and then So it's a little, a little bit of college football built into it where like your strength of schedule matters. And before, you know, this expanded playoff, it was kind of just like you, you build up your own resume and that's what gets you into a, a championship. Yeah, it would be that like right. if Bama and Ohio State played each other and if Bama won, they'd play Clemson next week. Like it's, yeah, it's really, okay. King of the Hill is a good way to put it. You've got... I think it's like eight or nine weight classes for men, three for women. All of them have a champion. Uh, all the like numbered events, UFC, this one's 280. Uh, all the ones that are numbered events are typically headlined by title fights. This one obviously has two of them. Um, but, you know, the rest of the undercard, for the most part, are like guys who are trying to either make a name for themselves or rise up their rankings to eventually get that title shot. Interesting. Okay, cool. That, that is helpful. So let's, uh, let's, let's get into this uh, bag. I'll let you kick this one off. What is like... The um, or I guess what what do you look for when you're preparing for gambling on a card? What what uh like, you know what I feel like whenever I look, just kind of glance at the odds of each fight. There's typically a, a very clear favorite and someone and a, and a juiced bet. Um, how do you know when to look for those juiced bets versus just knowing the favorite's just going to clean up? Yeah, so the first thing that I do when I look at a card is I try to find as many names that I recognize as possible. The UFC roster is enormous. There's probably hundreds of fighters. There's a good amount of turnover at the bottom, so, like, guys will come. You'll see everybody, by the way, who fights in the UFC has some, like, incredible record. Like, the worst guys that fight are, like, 15-2 and before they get in the UFC, and my dad asked the question, of like, how is everybody so good if they're all fighting? They beat up on people in lower promotions. The UFC is basically the major leagues of of fighting. Mm -hmm. Guys who stick around longer... Um, tend to have a bit of a track record in fights against other good guys. So, like, the first thing I'll do is I'll look for names that I've seen fight before. I don't watch every single card, but I watch enough to, like, be familiar with a lot of the guys who are uh, going. So, like, in the event that I see a guy that I know and he's fighting a guy that I don't, um, Wikipedia, honestly, is a great resource for, like, <laughs> guys. Like, just fight history. Like, forget, like, reading about... Like, you don't read any of the words. They literally have, like, every fight the person's ever done in their entire career, whether it's the UFC or not, win-loss, wave, like, whatever. So, like, you can go, you can click on guys' names, and you can see who they fought. I tend to look for guys whose names I recognize, and then guys who have fought guys whose names I've recognized. It's like... It's called MMA math, which is where you say, okay, guy X beat guy Y, guy Y beat guy Z, guy X should beat guy Z. Chain that obviously like, doesn't you know work all the time, but 
it's a decent starting point when you've got, you know, 15 fights to analyze. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I'm sure all the sharps are using Wikipedia as well. Uh, Mike, what, what about you? What are you, what are you looking for generally? Aside from like the number thing, I think in true eye test fashion, there's one thing like above all that I think we touched on earlier that I look for, and that's the last name Nurmagomedov. If I see that on the card, it's an automatic lock. Currently, there are four on the UFC roster. Khabib is actually still on the roster. There's also Umar, Saeed, and Abu Bakar, who's actually fighting this weekend. I didn't. I actually purposely blocked out the line from that, and I know that no matter what the line is. Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov is going to win. So are they a part of like some sort of uh, group? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's another thing that I look for. Country of origin, I think, is a huge thing. <laughs> okay. These guys are from uh, Dagestan, which is a, in the southwest region of Russia. These are the guys that you see on YouTube that are growing up wrestling bears and like... So uh, that's by um, uh, Chernobyl, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that has something to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, do, another, do you just like if you see that the last name ends in like OV, is that a lock? Like that that Eastern block type of last name? Generally, yes. Okay. I That's also helpful. look for um how cauliflowered the fighter's ear is. And generally the more cauliflowered their ear is, the better chance they have of winning the fight. Isn't that so it doesn't mean they've gotten their ass kicked before, it means that they have a pretty high pain tolerance. Yeah, and it's usually correlated with wins. Although you do sometimes see videos of guys, you know, taking their wrestling boots and smashing it into their ear to look a little bit tougher. So that's a real thing. Is, They'll do that. That is a real thing. Yeah. Whew. that's pretty badass. Another uh, another eye test metric that I like to use is when you're looking at the odds and you see the two fighters sort of like on stage. If there's ever a fight where one guy's super jacked. One guy doesn't look super jacked, but the odds are really close. Take the not super jacked guy. Yeah. The UFC is not a bodybuilding contest. They're not models. They're there to fight. And like everybody knows that people are going to be watching the way in seeing like, oh, this guy looks jacked. Like, let's put money. Like, it's a real sucker's bet to bet the super jack guy. Um, so, so that's a, that's a weigh in. How, when does the weigh in happen? Like 24 hours before, 48 hours before? The weigh in's 24, I want to say. I think it's Friday. So it's not like, you know, Bruce Buffer comes out and announces them and you see what they look like on stage, basically, and you're live betting. It's, it's, you're, you're, you're making these bets 24 hours before at the, at the way. And basically, when you see them announced out at the Octagon, you're not doing a quick ocular pat down on these two guys and making a bet at that very moment. You're doing it at the way in. Well, if you're in the stadium, you can kind of pull that off. If you're streaming, it's a little bit delayed. It's a little bit tougher. Uh, guys' bodies don't change tremendously fight to fight unless they're like cutting weight classes. So like there's guys who are a little on the heavier side that you just know of. There's not a lot of them. If you're in the UFC, you're usually pretty jacked, but there's, there's a couple. Is there ever like a, a big weight difference? Obviously, the weight classes are probably like every 20 pounds or something, right? Less. They're, yeah. Less. So if it's 10 pounds, or, or is there ever like a true 10 pound difference in guys? You'll see guys in the heavyweight division that, so the heavyweight division is between 205 and 265, which is by far the biggest range okay. a division is allowed to have. So you'll see guys yeah. on the leaner side weigh in at like 235, 240, someone like Daniel Cormier, um, who actually fought at light heavyweight, which is 205 max um, for a while. He jumped up. And he fought a guy, um, Derek Lewis, uh, 
Josh and I, and Vin G. Shout out Vin G. He's a big UFC guy too. Um, Derek Lewis is one of our boys. He fought Derek Lewis at 265. So there's like a 25, 30 pound difference there. But other than that, they're all pretty. And they, they try to be by the low end of the weight class. So basically what happens or, or, or the high end, they would try to be, I don't know. What's, what's the strategy there? The week before the fight, they is usually when they cut, let's say someone's trying to make 155, they'll go through camp at like 175, 180. And then within the last like eight days, they'll cut down that 20, 25 pounds or even the last, either the last week or the last few days, mainly just water weight. And they'll try and barely hit that limit that they have to make the 155 and then within the next 24 hours between friday morning and all in yeah they just drink a bunch of water and try and put on as much weight as possible it's like a totally different human i mean it's the difference of 20 pounds is gigantic it's crazy yeah okay cool so let's uh let's let's get into this saturday specifically mike i'll let you kick this thing off um I know there's, you mentioned there's 13 uh, fights that are happening before, or, or 13 total, right? That's the the entire card is 13 fights. So let's let's focus on um, maybe yeah, whatever you feel really good about. I, w- I won't limit you to a certain amount of fights, but I'll let you, you know, take take the reins on uh, what, what you feel good about of those 13. Uh, yeah, so on the, on the undercard, um, the prelims, like I mentioned before, Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov is actually, I'm looking now, minus 165. There could is that, be sorry, is that one or two lock. people? <laughs> That's one person. <laughs> That's one person, okay. That's one R- repeat it again, yeah, one more time. Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov, he's Khabib Nurmagomedov's cousin. <laughs> <laughs> he's at minus 165 against another <laughs> Russian guy. Doesn't matter. Absolute lock, love it. That's going to actually be my Christian mortal lock of the week. Um, I don't know, Josh. What do you think? Do you? I would imagine you totally agree, right? Yeah, totally agree. I don't know anything about either of those guys. Nurmagomedov, Winston Hammer. Love it. How how early in the day are they fighting? The prelims start at seven a.m. here, so ten a.m. Eastern, and. Abu Bakar is the fourth fight. So he'll probably be on at about nine o'clock in the morning. Okay. So wake up, drink your coffee, eat your bacon, egg, and cheese, hammer Abu Bakar. <laughs> Love it. Keep, keep going later in the day, or not even, you know, whatever comes up next that you like. Josh, I'm curious what you think about the Bilal Muhammad Sean Brady matchup. Yeah, I, uh, this was actually probably my favorite fight to bet on in the undercard. Bilal Muhammad is probably my least favorite fighter in the UFC. The guy's just incredibly boring. I don't understand how he's risen in the ranks so much. If you look at like who he's fought, he's got a decent list of guys, but all of his wins are just decisions. If you watch him fight, he's a striker mostly, but he's not knocking anybody out. He doesn't really have a ton of power in his hands. He, he's beaten guys who are pretty real, um, but he's not doing it in like a flashy fashion that like somebody who's top five in the division would be. Sean Brady is a guy that I've had my eye on for a while. Sean Brady, I think he's undefeated. I don't have his thing up right here, but I, like he's either undefeated or has one loss. He's been knocking people out during his come up, which was like between five and two or one years ago. 
Uh, he had a foot injury last year that kind of sidelined him for a little bit. But you you watch guys that that fight, and some guys just like punch, and when they land, it just hits different. Sean Brady is one of those guys that has rare power. Um, he's totally tatted up. He looks like a psychopath, which you love to see. And I think that he's a he's going to be a fan favorite. I think that he hits way harder than Muhammad. I'd love to see Muhammad get stung here. I think Sean, Sean Brady, Hammer. Is he American? Yeah, I think he's from Philly. Oh, the fighter. Yeah, the dude, you can't even see the guy's skin on his torso. He's just got full tattoo. Is the fighter Philly or Boston? It's probably Boston. It's and Boston. Yeah, it's Boston. But still, they're, they're the same thing. Yeah. Bilal Muhammad kind of rode that McGregor train for a little while where he was like super loud in the media. Um, he won a bunch of fights. He's incredibly flashy. He's always wearing like the most ridiculous outfits during his press conferences and he's also backed it up but he's like josh said incredibly unlikable and so so boring that um yeah i had brady as well yeah i mean you look at all these wins curtis millinder lemon good diego lima like these guys are okay then he, he beats damian maya he beats stephen thompson he beats vincente luke like those are good wins i couldn't tell you if i watched all these cards i couldn't tell you a single thing about any of these fights the guy just puts you to sleep if anything, you bet Sean Brady just to root for there to be some blood and if you lose, you just get pissed off. But So I guess that's that's a good question. Are, are there, like, um, is knockout history very telling? Is it, like, the same as, like, an NFL team who has the ability to, like, win a game 40-3? to three? Is that, you know, you, you feel better about that team going forward than teams that are just constantly eking out these three-point wins? Is that, like, what a, a knockout will tell you going forward if they have the ability to knock someone out? So there's styles of fighters or fighting that are like more or less conducive to getting finishes. Uh, like for example, wrestling, um, the sport in it's like, you're not trying to like get the person to tap out or knock them out. Like you are in jujitsu or boxing. You're trying to pin them and like control their body. You'll see like a lot of the wrestlers, especially when there's first entering MMA, like a lot of decisions because a lot of their, uh, what they're trying to do is just like body control. Uh, uh, Muhammad is a boxer, which is, there are boxers that come out and like they have a lot of power boxers for the most part are a lot more technique oriented. They're a lot more conserving their energy, throwing jabs, setting up combinations, not necessarily looking for that big shot. There's different types of striking disciplines that are more conducive to knockouts. Muay Thai being one of them where you're working on like body control while throwing different uh, like strikes besides your hands, elbows, knees, etc. So I think boxing and wrestling are probably like, if you see that that's the guy's background, they're less likely to be like have a have a ton of knockouts or big finishes, but um, you know, not that it can't be developed. Like Islam, if you look at his record, and I'm sure we'll go into it in a little bit. Like he started his UFC career, a lot of decisions, a lot of decisions. Last four or five fights have been all submissions. Guys can definitely improve. It's a really good base to start on. Um, so I mean, that's a long winded answer of saying like it's tough to predict. It depends on the style. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I to me as extremely novice as I am, I feel like there's just more upside with someone who has shown that they have the ability to knock someone out. Um, you know, I, I would just feel more confident knowing that they have that in their back pocket, but uh, there really is like an art to it. It's, it's kind of a chess match, which makes it very interesting. Yeah. Another fight that I like in the early ones is uh, Muhammad Mokayev. He's the biggest favorite on the card at minus 1300 on the site that I'm looking at now. He is 22 <laughs> years old. He is very clearly a Russian guy, but fighting out of the UK. 
there is like a hundred percent chance he's going to win this fight in round one because the guy he's fighting it like shouldn't be in the UFC anymore. With what the the UFC prides itself on like getting its big guys big fights like quickly. I think they sort of don't always listen to that when the guys that are good are really young. I think they take the time to make sure that like people get experience when they're young in age, not necessarily young in their UFC career. This guy being 22, he's had two UFC fights. One of them was an instant knockout in under a minute. The other one was a battering that, you know, all the announcers could talk about during the fight was how tough the other guy was. He's a star. He's a future stud. He's going to be ranked at some point. This is like, I, I think he's plus 220 to win by knockout. I think that's like a Ooh, nice I like bet. That bet. Not yeah. watch and then just collect your paycheck. Uh, what, what, what age is prime? in UFC? It really depends. There are guys who have been in um, the UFC for a while and end up kind of with the experience taking their game to a new level when they're older. I think Glover Teixeira, who's been in the UFC for a while, um, won his first title fight like last year and he's pushing 40. But generally speaking, that like late 20, early 30 range is sort of their prime where they've, been around the block enough to know not to be stupid and go for finishes early um, and have kind of honed in on their um, craft. So I think like the, the standard sports age applies to MMA too. Yeah. yeah. I think for reference, the youngest male champion right now is Yuri Prochaska. He's 29 years old. So everybody else is sort of between that, like 30 to 36 year age range. So um, yeah, I agree with Mike. I'm, I'm going to need all of these uh, names written out, by the way, because I feel like these names that you're saying are a lot harder to remember than like Atlanta Falcons or, or something. <laughs> there are only well, two, well, um, two UFC champions from the U.S. currently out of the 11 divisions. Who are they? The girl, the Esparza, <laughs> right? Is that who it is? Carla Esparza. Yeah. Yep. is one of the middle division of the girls and Al Jermaine Sterling, who's actually fighting um, on Saturday is the 135 pound in, champ in Dubai. In Dubai. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Mike, keep it, keep it going. What else do you like on Saturday? Um, I guess we could jump to the main card. I, I like a good amount of the favorites on the undercard. And I think it, it goes with what Josh is saying, where usually it's guys that you don't know. And, Mainly, they don't fight anyone that you know, so you sort of trust the odds makers and just roll the dice, turn it on for a little, immediately see that he stinks, <laughs> get really pissed, and drink your beer. Um, but for the main card, I, um, for the three main fights, Jan versus Sean, TJ, um, Algermain, and Charles Oliveira, um, starting with Jan versus Sean, I have to bet on Sean. Uh, he's like a super fan favorite prodigy guy who's been kind of on the rise for a while. Him to win by knockout is plus 500, and I am absolutely going to sprinkle Ooh. a good amount on that. I think the guy he's fighting is a real beast. He's a plus. Sean is plus 220 to win, but in. I don't even know when the last time he's gone to decision. So I, I like the extra value at knockout at um, plus 500 on, on Sugar Sean. How many, are there five rounds? For the title fights, there are five. And for the non-title fights, there are only three. When, 
when there's a three round fight, do, do you feel like the to win by knockout bet is a total soccer's bet? Do you need that fourth and fifth round, or if they're going to win by knockout, they'll do it in in any round, and it doesn't matter? Generally, I've felt that the guys that usually win by knockout do it within the first two rounds because they're guys who throw a little harder and you know empty the tank a little quicker. That if they're huh. not going to knock them out in the beginning, they usually lose their energy and kind of kind of coast. Someone like Conor McGregor did that a good amount of times. Interesting. Very interesting. Bag. What else you got? Yeah, sticking with the same fight. So, like, I'm a big sugar guy. I watched his Dana White Contender Series uh, debut, which is uh, basically like a scouting TV show similar to Survivor, where, like, they... No, 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 sorry. That's that's the ultimate fighter. The Dana White Contender Series, he brings on all these prospects from across. If you win your fight, basically, you're in the UFC. Um, Sugar looked like a friggin' idiot in that. He looked like a Muppet, basically. He had hair all over the place, super skinny, like gigantic nose. He like he, he was a cartoon character basically. And he stepped in there and absolutely starched this like pretty jack looking guy. Snoop Dogg was actually calling the fight. There's a great clip online of him just like, Oh Mally and going like nuts, smoking a blunt, like on camera. It's a good clip. Uh, anyway, that's like started his star since then. He's made a name for himself, like kind of knocking people out without being ranked and, and kind of on the lower end of, uh, the 135-pound weight class, some of the names here, Terry and Ware, Andre Sukumtak, like guys who are just either on their way out of the UFC or are already out. He's been tested twice, uh, the first time by Marlon Chito Vera, who was recently in the top five, which was a good fight. He was uh, for like as long as it lasted, which is not very long. He ended up snapping his leg um, and losing via injury. And then more recently, Pedro Munoz, who's also a top 10 fighter. Uh, again, he looked good, ended up poking his eye um and the fight got called and ruled a no contest so in the limited competition that he's had against really good guys i think he's shown that he definitely belongs there i think uh, not too many people would disagree he would have continued to beat pedro if that fight went on i think the marlon vera fight was probably a little bit too early to tell but you know he was a favorite in that one as well um and he's just an exciting guy and people love to watch him piotr jan is just a total killer. I mean, this dude has fought like a who's who of names. He beat Jose Aldo by a bludgeoning to win the title. Initially, there's like clips of him just murdering Uriah Faber. Jimmy Rivera was really good at one. I mean, there, he just didn't really have a competitive fight for a long time. Aljamain Sterling was his first title defense. They fought uh, in March 2021. Another fight that he was handling super, super easily. He ended up with an illegal knee to Aljamain's temple, which oh. stopped the fight. Three oh. rounds of just like absolute bludgeoning of Aljamain. I think they could have stopped it a couple times over the course of that. But Aljamain, on all fours, took a knee to the temple, sort of couldn't get up from that. They gave the win by disqualification to Sterling. That's how Sterling got the belt. He then went out um, and and beat up Corey Sandhagen. Pretty good. Corey Sandhagen is another top five fighter who I think will you know is pretty likely to be fighting for a title at some point uh, and look great. Then he fought uh, Sterling again and got wrestle fucked. Uh, Sterling looked pretty good in that round. Typically, Peter Jan is like a big, he's, he's a Muay Thai fighter. He's a good striker. Aljamain was able to take him down and control him. That's the only time that's ever happened. His entire career before that, he beats the shit out of people. He hits ridiculously hard for 135. He can go all day, and he's a terrifying Russian-looking dude, speaks no English, and he'll kill mm -hmm. you if he was allowed to. So the fact that Suga is only plus 220, I think, honestly, that Piotr should be a big, like a much bigger favorite. Uh, just based on his history and like who he is. That being said, Sugar all the way. 
absolute hammer on the money line, absolute hammer on the knockout, and uh, I will be wasted for it. How, how do you feel about parlaying UFC? Love it. Love it? It's my favorite. It's the only way to go. <laughs> because the, the favorites are so such heavy favorites? No, just the <laughs> degenerate thrill of hitting it all and seeing, you know, when you type in your wager amount and seeing that uh, payout amount be like 500 bucks yeah. for 20 bucks. It's just like, of course. It's nothing like got it. it. Yeah, nothing, nothing like, it. like it at all. And I think those guys that you mentioned that beat their feet absolutely stink. I think Sean is going to just knock him out. But I've also thought that Connor was going to knock out the last like seven guys that he fought. Is Connor still fighting? What's he doing? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he's just, he's off on his white horse drinking proper 12. The last one yeah. was a doctor stoppage, which uh, he really was getting his ass beat anyway. But yeah, yeah I, mean, I don't know. These guys that you mentioned, Jimmy Rivera stinks. Uriah Faber butt chin stinks. Jose Aldo, how old is that guy? Stinks. I don't know. I disagree that those guys stink. Maybe they're not like the top 10 guys, but like beating Jose Aldo is no slouch. Uriah Faber is a little bit old, fine. Jimmy Rivera, I think he quit the UFC, just more softness than like not being good. And Sam Hagen's like very good. Yeah, so okay. I don't know who you would like him to yeah. beat. And like when he's fighting these guys, like he's knocking their heads off. Like these are not like pity or patter little division. Like they, nobody wants to fight this guy. Uh, I think the Sterling fight that he lost, that was a legitimate uh, split decision, showed that he can be sort of like Sean will not be wrestling this guy. So it's going to be a slugfest. Uh, you know, I don't think that there's too many people that would say that anybody who has fought Sugar has like had better hands than him. We don't know as good his hands are because we don't know who he's gone against. Uh, again, I think Piotr should be a bigger favorite than he is, but I'm also taking Sean. So let's do, it sounds like you guys have some uh, differing opinions. So Mike, I'll let you get the floor first. I'll give you however long you feel necessary to talk about your your locks of Saturday, your your best bets, your best feel about it. You know, you're, you're, you're stapling your name to this 30 seconds to a minute that you got right here. Okay. Love it. I'll uh, stick with the title fight. Um, I am pretty confident that Charles Oliveira is actually going to win. He's plus 160 against Islam, who's minus 190. Um, I think that the competition and who each guy has fought is going to matter a lot. If you look at Charles's last five fights, he's pretty much fought the best of the best in Poirier, Chandler, and Gaethje. He fought some other big names before that. Tony Ferguson, who's horrendous. Kevin Lee, who's horrendous. But the last the last three, I think, were great. And honestly, Islam's been demolishing people, but he, I haven't even heard of any, any of these guys other than Bobby Green and Dan Hooker. And Bobby Green, the last guy that he beat in the first round, he's 29 and 13. What, what the hell is that? I think it's going to be a big test. I think plus 160 on a guy who's defended his title three times is good odds. Um, and yeah, that I think, aside from the Nurmagomedov Christian Mortal lock, I like um, the plus plus money with uh, Oliveira. Yeah, one Bye. of the intrigues about this fight is that for a while, the biggest fight that people wanted to see was Khabib versus Tony Ferguson. 
the big reason being styles make fights. Khabib, this awesome wrestler, Tony Ferguson, crazy jujitsu guy with really unorthodox striking. This is sort of a reincarnation of that, where, as Mike said before, like Islam is right out of Khabib's camp, same exact style. Oliveira, famous for like out Tony Ferguson, for all Turkey, Tony Fergusoning, Toby, Tony Ferguson. Uh, <laughs> like he, his strikes are crazy. His submission's crazy. Like he has fought, there's nobody who has a better track record of beating guys than Charles Oliveira. Um, you know, the big question will be, I don't think it's a question that Islam will end up taking Charles down. I think the question is like, what can Charles do off his back to either fend him off or to get him in a submission? I don't think there's anybody more prepared or capable of, of catching somebody like Islam in one of those submissions. Um, plus the striking, there's there's just a big difference in, in favor of Charles. So I, I agree. Plus 160 on the on the current champ. Love it. Love it. Let's uh, win some money. I'll need that in writing. That was that was tough to follow. There was a lot of a lot of foreign names being thrown around that were tripping me up a little bit. But I will uh, back whatever the two of you agree on, and I will probably avoid whatever you two differ on. And that's uh, that's the way it goes. So let's start talking about something that I do know a little bit more about, and that is the National Football League. We're going to skip Thursday night football, which is about to kick off between the Saints and the Cardinals, real quick. I just, while you guys were, were talking UFC, I got a little bored. I put in Eno Benjamin touchdown score and Cardinals minus two and a half. So I, I do love that. I want my name staked to that. But let's, let's start talking about, uh, Sunday. We'll start with the one o'clock games. We'll start with the Atlanta Falcons, who I, tar- I, I, I labeled as sneaky good against the Bengals, who I just don't know. And I, I stick to both of those. And I'm not even sure the Falcons are sneaky good at this point. They are doing things that a lot of teams uh, in the NFL want to be able to do. And they are doing it very effectively in running the ball and playing pretty sound defense all around. And the Bengals... You know, playing better, the offense is figuring it out a little bit, but it feels like they're capable of going under under on their their point total any given week. So we'll love to hear what your thoughts are here because right now my initial thought is this game is a void at all costs. So there's two universal truths that I have been using to bet NFL for the last this season and the prior season. One is the Falcons always cover big numbers. Two is that the Vikings never cover big numbers as favorites. So Falcons when they're getting like six points or more. I don't have the data in front of me. I'm pretty sure it's 100%. Vikings, when they're seven points or more, I don't have the data in front of me. I'm pretty sure that's 100% to not cover. Falcons here, I think the number is six and a half. I wouldn't mind buying a point to seven or even seven and a half. That'll be one of my favorite picks of the week. Did you say Vikings or am I hearing things wrong? Vikings. Yeah. No, no, they're, they're playing the Bengals. I know. I'm talking like the Vikings. Is, the Vikings don't cover. The Falcons cover. I, I, I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. They, they, the Falcons are getting six and a half points over under 47. I, you know, I, I love it too. But after such a big win against the 49ers, just feels like a letdown. And that's like typically what the eye test rolls by is where are the letdowns due? And the, the Bengals could be due for a letdown in the reverse, uh, you know, in, the, in the, that same way as well, where they could be like, they just came off this emotional game where Burrow and Chase returned to New Orleans. How are they going to back that up at home against the, the Falcons on what, you know, kind of feels like a, a, could be a sleepy game where the Falcons can hang around. Um, Mike, what, what's your take on that? I usually go with the favorite in almost every single NFL bet that I do, but really? I think I usually do. I almost go with the underdog in every single bet. In this case, I'm, 
I like the Falcons at plus seven buying a half a point a lot. The Falcons are like a few plays away from being a five and one team. And I think the Bengals have shown that they like they could they should, if they you know if they didn't get the roughing the passer on Brady, they're they're right now at four and two. And, and they, then they, the crazy ending with New Orleans where they come back and win yeah. by one in week one. Yeah, they, mean, they, they had that game easy. So that's my point, though, is that like everyone at this point knows the Falcons are good. It scares me a little bit. Is your question why they're getting six and a half versus like a No, nine? no, the, the line feels right. It just feels like a week where they could lose 26 to 10, and that would really bother me. Maybe. I disagree. You disagree? I think they cover the number. I don't know that they win, but I think the touchdown is too much. Okay, good. I like it. Uh, so we're we're all on board for plus six and a half. Uh, we're we're also going to come up with a parlay in this in this uh, session right here. The Lions and Cowboys. The Lions are getting seven points. Mike, I'll let you kick this off. I feel very strongly about this game. I'll let you kick off. See if you agree with me. Dak is coming back. The Lions going to Dallas. What you got? Yeah, this was the one game that I actually didn't have any conviction on, but I do lean Dallas minus seven. Like I just said, I like the the points. Uh, I think there are too many injuries to Detroit. Their defense is absolutely horrendous. And with Dak coming back, especially it being a home game, um, I like Dallas and I like uh, the over. Back. I agree with everything Mike said. I think it's very impressive that they've had the record that they've had with Cooper Rush, who's playing okay, but not super well. Uh, I think the defense is excellent. I don't think the Lions will be able to stop the Cowboys' offense. I got Lions plus seven. Okay. I've got Detroit plus seven as one of my favorite bets of of the week so far, just the early look at the Lions, because they are coming off a bye, which is obviously always a a very nice thing. I think they're better than their one and four mark that they currently have right now. And I, I, I get this sense where they think Dak is going to be like this magic wand that they wave and their offense is just going to be like, you know, uh, dynamite because of it. And and they're just going to go off where I'm not sure he's like, you know, that much of a guarantee. And I do like him to win games. And this isn't a knock on him. I think this is kind of a weird, weirdly tough spot to come back to against like such a cakewalk of a defense. Uh, I think the Lions are better than we've seen coming off a bye, and I think Dallas is going to be like, oh, we got Dak back, we, we got this game easy, where it's, it's not going to come that easy to him. So that's that's my argument for Detroit. I actually really like them. I do think Dallas wins outright, but um, yeah, I, I don't love them covering the minus seven. So we'll, we'll, we'll leave that out of the parlay. The Cleveland Browns are getting almost a touchdown, six and a half points going to Baltimore. The Baltimore Ravens are three and three. The Browns are desperate at two and four. This is like, in a way, basically a playoff game bag. What you got? So the Ravens feel like one of those teams that are better than their record indicates, but that's not necessarily a good thing. They like play down to their competition and they play up to yeah. their competition. I don't know that they're in a position this year to be touchdown favorites against anybody. Um, the Browns, obviously, they have the strong run game. Their defense is absolutely terrible. Can't yep. stop anybody, even when Miles Garrett's around. Uh, I think a big difference maker. I don't know if uh, Rashad Bateman's playing. I think the Baltimore offense has been kind of having a rough go of it without him, just because they're only throwing at tight ends and nothing else. So, just based on the fact that I think Baltimore plays down to competition, I like the Browns plus six and a half. Yep, Mike, what you got? 
I'm going to keep my train going, and I like Baltimore by six and a half. I why do you think they're good enough to blow out a team? Because winning by more than a touchdown is basically a blowout at this point in the NFL. Jac- Jacoby Brissett is just a joke. He's just it's just bad. It's bad to watch. I I can't. There aren't any options at all. Amari Cooper has been okay. I guess Njoku is playing decent. Chubb is good. I'm talking myself out of it. I've flip flopped and I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the yeah. It's going to be a terrible game. The Browns are even more desperate than the Ravens are, and their defense is really bad. I'm not sure the Ravens are that much better on defense, and I don't feel comfortable that that lost the Giants bag. I know you're, you're you're obviously a big Giants fan. Um, that was more concerning than than like impressive for the Giants. Do you agree with that? I think every Giants win has been more concerning for the more, other, for the other team. Yeah, yeah. There, there, I don't know. There was something about that game where they had every opportunity to put them away, and the fact that that offense couldn't do it, it just it's it's a testament to the the lack of weapons that they have and how how like the Ravens' offense should be incredibly dynamic, and they're they're not at all right now. They're very boring, actually. There's too many times where Lamar just needs to not make a super crazy play and take easy yards, and he just doesn't do it. Like, yeah. At the end of the Giant game, he had like a really bad turnover pick to Julian Love. Like Kayvon Thibodeau had that base trip. Like they should be getting a first down against this Giants defense, which is improved. But like you're Lamar Jackson, like you're, right. you should be, you know, being able to ice the game and not have two back-breaking turnovers there. Yeah, I was all in on the Ravens covering the points last week against the Giants and the fact that they obviously lost outright is is like, whoa, alarms were going off there. That, w- that was not cool of them. Yeah, they uh, also we got, got that take the foot off the gas factor where they're one of those teams that like can get up to a big lead early and then you see teams that shouldn't be in the – like they can't finish it. You know, like yeah. they, they'll get up by like a touchdown or two. I think that's happened a couple times this and, year. And then like the game seems over. In, in week important. one against the Jets – the Jets were playing like 2020 Adam Gase Jets. It was like not the the Jets that we're, we're seeing these past two weeks it, or three weeks. It was a, a Jets team that was like very vulnerable and they only went 24 to nine in very ugly fashion. So I, I really am I'm not impressed with what I'm seeing from the Ravens. Mike, we got the Packers are giving four and a half points. We got another road favorite or this might be the first road favorite. Yeah, this is the first road favorite. They're giving four and a half points on the road at the Washington Commanders at FedEx Field. Um, What do you got? (laughs) It seems really impossible to trust the Packers at all. I think they've been terrible. But are we allowed to curse on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, we we already cursed at one point. So it's now getting the explicit tag on on Simplecast. Well, Carson Wentz friggin' sucks. I hate him. I hate him so much. I hate every time they zoom in the camera on his face. I can't. I, I Every time they pop up on Red Zone, I'm immediately looking at my phone. I'm immediately scrolling through Instagram, checking out some ladies that Fidgia sent me. I do not care at all about the commanders. I like the Packers' money line because they suck, too. What about the four and a half points? No. Really? That's, that's why I like the money line. I think okay. both teams are terrible, but... Carson Wentz. I just Packers can't, can't lose this game. I'm with you. Bag, what, yeah. what do you got? What's the over-under number on this game? No. 41 low. and a half. 41 and a half, yeah. I mean, ugh, that sucks that it's so low. I still might like the under. The Packers play with one of the slowest paces in the whole league, and they got nobody who's going to make any big plays. Brutal. The Commanders are just also, you know, terrible, and they've had a couple long touchdowns like Diami, whatever. That won't happen again. I, I like the under. I won't watch it for him. 
I'm, I'm with you. I, I love the Packers in this game. I think the Commanders coming off, you know, a, a primetime win on Thursday night against the Bears, they're, they're probably feeling like a little good about themselves. There's no way the Packers lose this game. I would be very, very disappointed in Aaron Rodgers if he loses this game. So I think Packers money line and we like the Falcons so far. Or was it the Browns that we all like? It was the Browns. Mike flip flop to the Browns. So yeah. 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 Okay. So we like Packers money line and, and, and Browns to cover at least some amount of points so far. We have the Tampa Bay Bucks, another road favorite, giving 11 points on the road in Carolina. Uh, Baker was spotted at practice today. Bag, what do you, how do you feel about that? It's a good line. The Bucks are one of those teams that like uh, end up being big favorites a lot. And I feel like they're 50 50 on whether or not they cover the spread. Uh, the, the Pittsburgh game last week, obviously an example of them not showing up, but there's the other times where they just run teams out of the building. I think they have a tougher time doing it in division. This yep. is a game that I will get wrong. I think that I like the Bucks to win. I think that they're getting healthier. I think that they're getting better. So for that reason, I'll take Carolina plus 11. What makes you think they're getting better after losing to Kenny Pickett? I took Carolina plus 11. Yeah. Yeah. This is a clear... Carolina plus 11, get it wrong, avoid at all costs. Mike, do you agree? Totally. Yep. Yeah. There, there's really like no dissecting this. It's, uh, we're, we're in our uncharted territory with Brady. Like we just can't trust him at all to do anything productive. And I think he proves he can do one way or the other, especially against a team like Carolina, which is probably the worst team in football. This will be very telling for the rest of the year if we can trust Brady or not to cover points or not cover points. If they can't cover against Carolina, yeah, that's that's probably what I'm going to roll with for the rest of the year. If they cover easily, then you know I'll, I'll have faith in him to cover points that he will be given for the rest of the year. I think this gotta, could be the last time they're this big of a favorite the whole rest of the year. I mean, if they they lost, it could be unless they win by thirty. Yeah, yeah. So they win by thirty. Yeah, of course. But I, I think that like if if you know the Bucks are only three and three, they were the massive favorites to win the division. They're tied with the Falcons. If they don't run this terrible Panthers team out of the water, I don't think that people are going to be tailing them for too much longer. True, true. What if they win by 40? I think you got to start looking at it if they win by 50, and that's when you got to start really thinking about it. Okay, cool. (laughs) What about uh, 335 months? Then then how would you feel, Jim? It's entirely possible. (laughs) It's entirely possible. (laughs) All right, we got the New York football Giants. Getting three points going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mike, how are you feeling about that game? This feels like so much of an obvious letdown spot for the Giants. I saw yeah. something like the public is on the Giants at like 90% at the plus three. Oh my God. And so generally you'd be like, okay, they just had, they just beat two teams that normally they shouldn't in the Packers and the Ravens. And now they're going to Jacksonville, who like kind of stinks, but also is sort of good. And they're on the road. Uh, the public is on them. Every single sign points to taking Jacksonville, which means I am absolutely loving the Giants' money line. Wow. Bag? I got to this one as a big Giants homer. The only thing I'll say is, like, having watched every second of all their – like, these wins are not wins that a lot of teams will be getting. There's they, – they've been – with the Giants, the thing that they've been able to do really, really well is capitalize on other teams' mistakes. Um and not really make a ton of backbreaking mistakes. Dan Jones turnovers are way down this year. Like it'll be a competitive game. It seems like they've gotten a few miracles uh, that have sort of eked out victories for them. I could see Trevor Lawrence making another one of those or a couple. Uh, 
I got to roll Giants money line. I don't know. Plus three is crazy. Yeah, I'm obviously avoiding New York football because I've had it. Uh, I've been wrong terribly over the past couple of weeks, but um, I'm I'm like such a good spot for the Jaguars. I mean, it's such a good spot. The, the Giants perfect. have nothing to lose with this game. They have nothing really hard. I mean, obviously they have a lot to gain. Every win counts terribly, but a road game against an AFC opponent out of conference. It's just like, it means so little to the giants and the, the Jaguars need to win this game. I, I do want to put my, my faith in, in Jacksonville here, but I'm probably going to avoid it because I've been terrible picking, picking giants games recently. Um, I think feel like they've just been due for, for a loss for so long and it doesn't happen because they're actually a good team. The Colts, Interesting game here, giving two and a half points to the division leading Tennessee Titans, plus two and a half for the Colts. The over under is 42. Bag, take the first word. So, my thoughts on the Colts are uh, they won their last two games. Jonathan Taylor did not play their last two games. Matt Ryan attempted 58 passes last game. I don't know how much he attempted the game before that. Having Jonathan Taylor makes the Colts run more, which makes their offense worse. Even though they put up 12 points against yes. the Broncos, yes, think, like, yes, they, they, yes. Having him uh, I'm with on this. for us for that reason, if Jonathan Taylor plays, I'm on the Titans minus two and a half. Yep, I, I love that, Mike. Wait, that, sorry, them running more makes the offense worse. Yes, they're too reliant on Jonathan Taylor, and everyone knows they're going to be too reliant on Jonathan Taylor, and it limits them terribly. Whereas if they don't have Jonathan Taylor, they don't feel handcuffed into like needing to feed their their feature back, and they kind of let the offense loose a little bit. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I mean, I hate the Colts. I hate their uniform. I hate their stadium that has that like light that goes into it. I hate the Colts so much. I am betting the Titans minus two and a half. Are the Titans good enough to sweep a division opponent? No idea. Because they, they never sweep the Texans. They, they can't beat the Texans. And if they can't beat the Texans, what makes you think they can beat the Colts twice and they've already beat the Colts once this year? I don't understand when Titans win games and when they don't. I have no yeah. idea how they got to 11 this avoid. year. I like it, it. Maybe it's an avoid. I think like if Taylor plays, I would slightly lean the Titans, but this is not a high conviction pick. Well, here's an here's important point. Yeah. Is Jack Doyle still on the team? No. Hmm. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, where were you going to go with that? Was that a pro Jack Doyle comment? I feel like Jack Doyle, the name Jack Doyle just sums up my thoughts about the Colts. Yes. That's been the identity of the Colts. They've always had a Jack Doyle too. I saw that, you know, the NFL throwback posted that Dallas Clark highlight reel. And, uh, yeah, they've they've always got one of them. They had Jake, Jacob Jacob Tammy for a bit there. Mm, he he yeah. was pretty productive. Yeah, they've always got. They have uh, that uh, Mo Ali Cox. Yeah, Awful. the most gigantic player in the NFL. So big, he looks like a basketball player. Yeah. All right, moving on to the four o'clocks. I've got a lot of feelings about this game. Uh, we have the Jets catching a point. Going to Denver, the over-under is 38 and a half. It's tiny. And everything about what's going on with the Jets leads me to believe this is a, let's say, 20 to 14 Broncos win. I, 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 I can't. In so many ways, winning this game in Denver would be so much more impressive than winning last week in Green Bay with the fact that they have, um, you know, like expectations and hype around them and everyone betting them and this stupid 
fucking Elijah Moore drama. And there's just so much going against them where um, I, I just feel like it's it's going to be a horribly painful rip your eyes out game for the Jets and they, they don't even cover. I um I disagree. I think the Jets are a juggernaut. I think that in the way that the Giants are winning games, which is sort of like by one possession on like the the seat of their pants, like barely holding on, the Jets are beating the shit out of guys. Like they but crush the, all these games are all these games are tied in the fourth quarter. Don't don't get it twisted. The, I, the Miami game was nineteen to seventeen with ten minutes left, and they went forty to seventeen. They were leading they, the whole time. I mean, I, I don't I don't. If I were you, I would have felt pretty comfortable with like the Jets, sort of like how they were playing there. Yes, they got a bunch of like late touchdowns that helped boost the score, but I think. They were clearly winning that game. I don't think that they needed any luck to win that game. They they rolled over uh, the Packers. I don't see this Denver Bronco team having any sign of life. I understand that, like, oh, they're maybe like due for a. I like they're not going to. How do they score twenty points? I mean, you take away Corlin Sutton, you you the so running game is they do. nothing. I, like if if Russ doesn't play, even if Russ does play, I don't know how you score anything over seventeen points. I think the Jets. Offense can outpace them, and, and I like the Jets. I hope so, man. I really hope this Elijah more bullshit doesn't fuck up the, the chemistry that they're going on. Mike, what do you think about it? For those of for the the guests who don't know about the Elijah Moore bullshit, maybe you could just uh, clue them in. <laughs> yeah, for, you know, for we know about it. We're, we've <laughs> yeah, been we, it clearly, the three of us know very well. Um, <laughs> Elijah Moore sent out a cryptic tweet after getting one target against the Packers last week uh, about how he's like, you know, happy the team's winning, but like he's also wondering what's going on with his role and why he's not getting any targets. Then today, it turns out Robert Sala excused him from practice because I'm sure he was just moping around the field and being generally a distraction, gave him a personal day off, which you never want to see. Later, a couple hours later, Adam Schefter tweets out, he has officially requested a trade from the Jets. Sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like and 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 DFJ Drew from Jersey brought up a good point. If your second year receiver receiver isn't being a diva, then like, is he any good anyway? So like, it, it, it could be a really good sign that he's doing this. Yeah, but why does he like? Like, he's a second round pick. He was okay last year. He's done nothing this. Like, why does he think he can act like? I don't know. He, like, as much of an Elijah Moore fan as I am, he does not deserve to be acting like this. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree that I thought he was in line for a big. I mean, he's done nothing. He's acting like he's DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I don't know right. why he, he can just demand. It makes no sense. Yeah. yeah, he he thinks he's the main character. Honestly. Yeah, I feel I'm like not sure who uh, morale is pretty high, and that. I, I Aside like from that, that's right. why I feel like bullshit. that's not gonna. That's not going to impact them. I hope not. I mean, there's there's no telling. Um, you know, it could it could it could really go either way. They can like choose to ignore it and blow them out, like I was expecting to them too when this when when these you know I first looked at this matchup, or they it can really be a distraction. I'm not happy about that. So let's leave that out of the parlay because I I really don't feel good about it. Let's move on to the Houston Texans giving seven points at the Las Vegas Raiders. It is an over-under of 46 points. Mike, what you got? Uh, I like the Texans a lot. I think Damian Pierce is sweet. They've somehow, maybe not somehow, they've kept games close. I think Davis Their defense Mills, is good. Yeah, their defense is really good. I don't think Davis Mills is as terrible as somebody by the name of Davis Mills should be. Um, <laughs> I think they're fine. I... Vegas has always been really weird. Derek Carr has a sick arm and is a really good quarterback, but also at the t- same time, he kind of sucks. 
Have you have you heard about his revenge numbers against the Texans for his in honor of his brother revenging his brother? No, how fire are he, they? He, he destroys the Texans. It's been like three. His rookie season wasn't good, but there's been like three instances where he's played the Texans and he's thrown for like 500 yards each time. That's interesting. That is all out of spite. It's purely out of spite. I feel like the Raiders don't play anyone well other than the Chiefs and the um, Chargers. It's like they're, yeah. they're constantly losing games. They're always like, I feel like they're the new, he's, Carr is the new Phillip Rivers where like the game is on the line, you need a yeah. pass, and he's just airmailing it, taking his Phillip Rivers off. is better than Derek Carr will ever be. But I, 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 I do agree uh, that like it's the similar where, you know, dangerous against division opponents and always being competitive in the AFC West, but never actually going to win anything of, of, of value. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that uh, Carr just this Raiders team doesn't feel like it can really blow anyone out at this point. I think that like, like um, the running games look good. I don't know why Devonta Adams doesn't catch more passes. Like he's having a good statistical season, but like he, he's going three for eighty and two touchdowns. Like they don't use him really at all. I don't understand how they move the ball. So uh, well, I don't like the Raiders. Jacobs is running out of his mind. Seymour is dead. Yeah, this is a wagon, absolute wagon. Going to stop Seymour's Jets, but <laughs> I, I think I, I do like the Texans to cover. I think the Raiders win this game, though. R.I.P. Trey Lance, for Steve. sure. <laughs> yeah, holding him on on his bench, not even in his IR. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, do do we all like the Raiders to win this game outright? No. Okay, I do, <laughs> but. All right, we'll we'll move on. We got the Seahawks giving a weird number, five points to the Los Angeles Chargers and over under a 50 and a half bag. I'll let you get the first word here. Sure. So the Chargers are one of my division futures, so I've been tracking them pretty closely. They're so frustrating. They stink. They're terrible. They, they do stink. Yeah. They're somehow winning games. I don't really know how they are. I don't know that the Seahawks are the team that's going to change that. Like five is a really good number here because I think they probably end up winning by like three to six. So like... Maybe the money line in a parlay. I don't really, I don't know. How are the Saints scoring touchdowns without Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill scoring touchdowns? Why is Andy Dalton throwing 53-yard touchdowns to Rashid Shahid? Rashid Shahid is very spry. Dude, he looks so spry on that end around last week. And he had two hands on the He was running like you, and he was still out running the entire (laughs) D-backs. Dude. They they weren't even close to touching him no, last week. It was his two hand touch. It was still a touchdown. It was, it was oh my god! Wow, that I hate the Saints team. so much. Um, but yeah, the Chargers are terrible. Um, I, I I was so wrong on them, and I'm so mad at myself for being so wrong on them. They're terrible. Mike, how do you feel about that game? Yeah, I like the Seahawks. I think the Geno Smith resurgence season is in full effect. I, I I don't think he had that. I mean, he didn't have that good of a game last, uh, week. last week. But I think that this division low-key kind of stinks. Um, the Niners are weird. The Rams are old and shot. Yeah. The Cardinals are awful. Yeah. And I think the Seahawks like have a weird path to winning 10 games. Do you games think they can win like, it? Yeah. Do you think they can win the division? Yeah, for sure. Huh. 
I like. I, don't I, really I, I, go, I, I can't go that far with them, but I do think the Niners are clearly the best team, even with all, all their injuries. But um, I, I feel like the Seahawks aren't the auto get blown out every single week like I thought they were coming into the season. I was wrong about that. I thought they were the worst team in the league, and they're clearly not the worst team in the league. I do kind of like the Chargers covering the five points, so I just feel like uh, they, they, like they have to be better than what they've been. And the fact that they're only giving five points at home, like that's that should be a good opportunity to to make some money off of that. A nineteen sixteen so. win against the Broncos at home in prime time for Justin. Yeah, Herbert the Broncos is defense horrendous. is really good. Broncos defense is really good. Thirty six thirty-eight to ten against the Jaguars. The Seahawks at defense home. is so bad. Seattle is so bad on defense. I agree. If there's a get right week for the Chargers, it's against the it's, it's gotta be this. That's I, I do like the Chargers for that reason, but I can definitely avoid this game. Game of the week. We have the Kansas City Chiefs giving two and a half points to the San Francisco 49ers in Levi Stadium, uh, wherever they play, not not in San Francisco. 49ers. Uh bag, what you got? This line makes absolutely no sense. The Chiefs are the way better team. They should be seven point favorites. I'm all aboard San Francisco plus two and a half. Yep. Same. Mike? Nope. My Christian Mortal lock of the week is <laughs> Chiefs minus two and a half. I think Mahomes throws for eight touchdowns. Kelsey gets five. Pearlborn beats whoever they're playing, and everybody gets really upset about it. And the rest of the other division loses. Yes. Putting up 96 points each. Love At it. least. Uh, yeah. Wait, you, can, can, I need some. Why? This is just a get right week for San Francisco at home. Like a no, good defensive. It's a get right week for Kansas City. They just lost to the Bills. They should bounce back. San Francisco just got blown out by the right. Falcons. They don't look very good. I don't know why this line is two and a half. We, we, all, like, we all like the Chiefs, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think San Francisco. Because of that. Because two I and a half is like you're betting them to win. It's money line. I mean, yeah, two and a half is money line. When the Colts beat the Chiefs this year, they were three and a half point dogs at home, and that line made no sense. The Colts are coming off some terrible law. I don't know. Like, warning flags went up for that game. Warning flags are going up for this game. I love the Chiefs, the Bets, San Francisco, money liner, two and a half. I like the Chiefs. I think the 49ers are really not very good. And how does Jimmy G keep up with Mahomes? I, how I is the line see- two and a half? I agree with everything you're saying. Yeah. This is Vegas the over under over under is forty eight and a half. So what is that? A, that's like a twenty. Where are those coming from? Game? Where are those points coming from? David, what's his fucking name? Who'd I trade? It's a lot. Jeff Wilson. Jeff no. Carson Wilson. Yeah, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffy Wilson's going to finally score more than one point on my squad. How about the over in that game? Jeff Russell. Contrarian over. Yeah, that could be interesting. Is everybody it. healthy? Everybody's healthy, right? Yeah, I like the over in that game. Yeah. Okay, next up, Sunday Night Football. We got the Pittsburgh Steelers getting seven points against the Miami Dolphins. This is my favorite game of the week to pick. I think the Dolphins win by about 40. I think they are so much better. And it's not that I think Tua is all that good. I I just think he unlocks the offense just enough to get that pop where it's like the difference between Teddy Bridgewater and, and Tua is the same as the difference between... Derek Carr and say Mahomes, where it's like, it's it's not like it's it's he, he's this world beater, but it's it's that difference where you y- you get that pop, um, and and I think they play really good defense, um, and y- the only thing that concerns me about that this game is a, a Minka Fitzpatrick revenge game, but I don't see how the Steelers score. 
I think the Dolphins score enough. I think they put up about 28 to maybe 31 points. And I don't see the Steelers getting over 20. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I, I mean, I'll never bet on the Steelers this year. Even when they win games, they do it so grossly that you can't. So gross. Well, like, yeah. I think the Dolphins in the beginning, of the, if you think two is going to come back and his brain isn't scrambled eggs, like I think that they have a pretty good chance of winning by two touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Mike? I won't be watching a single second of this game. Don't care at all. No fantasy implications. Just I'll be tuning into, I don't know what, pornography. <laughs> It'll probably be more entertaining. So we, we all like the Dolphins minus seven, Love Chiefs it. 49ers over 48 and a half. Let's get to this last game, the Monday night game. The Bears are getting eight points going to New England. Uh, Mike, what, how do you feel about the New England Patriots minus eight? This is a standard um, freezing cold takes, bet the under, don't watch a frame, go to sleep. Yes, The Bears are so bad. I think you called it uh, the other week on your podcast. I think this is Justin Fields' last season as a starting quarterback. Yeah, I don't think they can score. I think especially Belichick in prime time somehow always figures it out. I can't see them scoring more than 10, 13 points. I don't know about New England's offense, but... Um, they're not losing this game. They're, yeah. they're just not. I like yeah. the under. I like the under. Back. I like and the New Bears England. possibly. Fields. I mean, this offense feels like a defense that Belichick's going to not allow to score yeah. any points. So yeah. I like New England to cover the spread. I like the team total for the Bears under. Uh, if I have any balance left in DraftKings, that's what I'll be taking. I, I think the Bears can cover this game. Just because I don't, I'm not sure how much the Patriots can score, but there's just no chance in hell that they lose this game. So uh, I think we all agree. We feel good about the Patriots. The round to round it back up, the 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 parlay that we've got is five way, and it's plus eleven seventy one. So it's got some juice to it. We got the Browns plus six and a half going to Baltimore. I love that. Packers winning outright minus two fifteen is the the money line odds beating the commanders in Washington. We have the Chiefs and 49ers going over 48 and a half points. We have the Dolphins covering seven points and the Patriots winning outright. That's a plus 11.71. I think I like that a lot. Love it. Love it. Love it. Let's lock it in. Throw in so, your amalgamate also to juice that up a bit. I was going to say, clo- closing <laughs> thoughts. What are your, your uh, Christian mortal locks? If so I have you, a parlay for the UFC. That's a Christian mortal lock. It's Carol Rosa is the first fight, then Nurmagomedov, and then the first fight of the um, the main card. That's plus one ninety. And then my NFL mortal lock is Kansas City minus two point five. Love it, Bag. I'm going with. I also like Carol Rosa. Uh, I'll spare you my write up on her. I like Armand Petrosian minus two hundred. <laughs> I like Nurmagomedov, and I like Sean Brady. Uh, I don't have the odds on that, but I think it should be close to plus five. Anything you guys want to promote before we head out of here? Shout out to uh, our Instagram group, me, Mike, and Vin. I've been doing the thing for a whole while. Um, Go and check us out. (laughs) how, How do we check you out? Just, just ask about us. They'll loop you into what. Do me what, a text, what, and I'll, I'll tell you what it's about. What, what they're into. Uh, okay, love it. Hour ten minutes. I'll take that any day of the week. That's not bad. Um, as always, follow the ISS podcast on Twitter at Dono Podcast. Follow Mike. What are you? MBL 
underscore 17 or something like that. Yeah, you don't need to follow me. Just yeah, I'll follow follow me. Like, yeah, yeah. They're, they're both they're, they're both blocked from Twitter anyway. They're they're not even allowed on our website. <laughs> uh, ask them about their Instagrams if you're interested. Uh, tell us on our five way parlay and good luck on Saturday with your UFC bets. See you, everyone. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brian. Later. This is the eye test. You know we better than the rest. We keep it real. We never lying from the gridiron to diamond talking Mets, Jets, and bets. It's the eye test. Yeah, we'll play a little Monday morning QB. Who we picking for tonight? You'll just have to wait and see. We got the covers over unders and the fumblers and runners. All you need is right here. The eye test is where the fist is. The eye test. You know we better than the rest. We keep it real. We never lying from the gridiron to diamond talking Mets, Jets, and bets. It's the eye test. This is the eye test. You know we better than the rest. We keep it real. We never lying from the gridiron to diamond talking Mets, Jets, and bets. It's the eye test.